Well, it's great to have you all here. Christmas Eve, Christmas service. Uh, thank you for coming out. And uh, I don't know about you, but my drive here this morning was pretty spectacular. I know it was icy out, but it, it was super beautiful. Uh, so you made it. You survived the ice. Uh, you know, I think today's service should be a great no matter uh, how you would classify yourself regarding faith, whether you're really new to faith and you're trying to figure this all out, uh, or whether you're a long-timer in the faith and, uh, you, you know, you've just done many, many Christmases, or, uh, you know, if you perhaps from a Jewish background or even a Muslim background, uh, you know, the, the story of Christmas uh, is really a, a wonderful story, and it connects all the different uh, faiths. Uh, it also, uh, you know, uh, is a wonderful story for somebody like myself who grew up like faithless, clueless. You know, uh, this sort of come, this story of Jesus, which I want to uh, tell today, I want to talk a little bit about, uh, you know, what was the, the prophecies in the Old Testament, in the Jewish uh, scriptures, uh, and how they were looking forward to a Messiah coming. And uh, then we want to look at the birth of Jesus and w the significance of that. But then also, you know, the life of Jesus uh, and his crucifixion and the Easter story, the resurrection uh, and the future coming of Jesus. So uh, hopefully you're ready for a long day. I mean, you know, I should get through that in about three hours or something, uh, you know, I don't know, hopefully you won't spoil your lunch. No, but I, I do want to uh, touch on that because I think that's the whole story. That's the Christmas story. And it's a, you know, it's a story which is told on so many different levels. It's understandable to young kids. And yet there's an intellectual component to the story that uh, even if you're an academic, uh, there's just something rich and meaningful uh, in this story of Jesus. Honestly, uh, my biggest desire this morning is that you would encounter the joy of Jesus. Now, I can't manufacture that, but you will, you know, you know when you experience the joy of the Lord, when you experience it. Uh, you can describe it and you can try and make it happen, but when you experience the joy of the Lord, you know that you're experiencing the joy of the Lord. And that's my prayer today. So let's just invite the Spirit of God. Jesus, uh, this is our celebration of your birth, but we invite your Holy Spirit to move. I pray, Lord, that you'd impart joy to each person here today. And Lord, I just pray that you'd uh, give me the ability to preach and to put power on your words. And Lord, that each person present today would be experiencing you and your truth and your joy and the relevance that you have in our lives today. In your name, Jesus. Amen. Well, you know, let's just jump into the, the gospel uh, of, of Luke. I, you know, if you're new to the, uh, to the Bible, there's the New Testament. There's four accounts of the, the birth of Christ and the, the life of Christ and the death of Christ. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And uh, Luke uh, is a book which opens with the story of joy and ends with the story of joy and the book is you know bookend of the story of Jesus and and the joy that that brings to the world and to us individually and i want to just pick up on that uh, theme of the joy of the lord as we see it in this account in luke so uh, i want to read from luke chapter 1 and this is mary uh, visiting elizabeth now just the backdrop mary the mother of jesus a virgin a teenager uh, she is uh, pregnant with Jesus, and she's visiting her older relative, Elizabeth, who's also pregnant, 
and she's pregnant with John the Baptist. And uh, it's really an interesting encounter when the two of them meet. Let me just read it to you. This is uh, Luke chapter 1, verse 39. A few days later, Mary hurried to the hill country of Judea, to the town where Zechariah lived. She entered the house and greeted Elizabeth. At the sound of Mary's greeting, Elizabeth's child leaped within her, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Elizabeth gave a glad cry and exclaimed to Mary, God has blessed you above all women, and your child is blessed. Why am I so honored that the mother of my Lord should visit me? When I heard your greeting, the baby in my womb jumped for joy. You are blessed because you believe that the Lord would do what he said. You know, this encounter is just joyful from beginning to end. There is just so many things happening here. Uh, there's supernatural things, there's natural things, but the outcome for all parties involved is joy. I mean, it's one of the attributes of being connected with the living God is that we should experience joy. And uh, here Elizabeth is experiencing joy. Her baby's experiencing joy. Mary's being blessed. And baby Jesus, you know, as somebody in the womb, has having an impact on those around him. I mean, it says a lot for, you know, the sanctity of life, that babies, you know, in the womb, still experiencing uh, joy and having an impact, in this case, Jesus with uh, John the Baptist. Really uh, remarkable. So there's a lot going on here. You know, the other thing which is so amazing to me is for many Muslims, for many, you know, authentic Muslims who are reading the Quran, they believe this exact encounter. They believe that Mary, the mother of Jesus, was a virgin and had a baby called Jesus. I mean, so any, you know, faithful Muslim is totally connected to this part of the story. Now, of course, obviously Muslims don't believe that Jesus is God, but it's very interesting that they would believe that Jesus was born, you know, from a Virgin Mary uh, in the Quran. And likewise, as we uh, want to look in this scripture, is the anticipation of this event, you know, in the Jewish scriptures. And again, I mean, obviously, if you're Jewish, uh, Jewish people don't believe that Jesus is God. And yet, these predictions in the Jewish scripture are just so powerful. Uh, they're pretty exciting, actually. It's a pretty awesome, awesome thing. Before I get there, obviously our focus here is on Jesus and the joy that uh, Jesus brings in our lives. But the first account of joy is actually John the Baptist. And this is going back a little bit in Luke. And I'm just going to read this quickly. This is Luke chapter 1, verse 14. It says, your wife, this is Zechariah having this encounter with the angel. He says, your wife Elizabeth will give you a son and you are to name him John. You will have great joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth. You know, so even the angel promising uh, John the Baptist, the birth of John the Baptist, the whole idea is that it's going to be joyful. And I think those of us which follow Christ, that go to church regularly, I think the underlying current that we should be experiencing is joy. The problem is joy is a mystical thing. I mean, joy is, it is happiness, but it's a little different to happiness. I mean, you can be in really difficult circumstances and still have joy. Uh, in fact, sometimes it's the joy of the Lord that pulls you through difficult circumstances. It's sort of connected with hope. 
Uh, it's connected with the love of God. It's connected with anticipation that God knows you personally. I mean, this joy is a, is a deep-seated, uh, wonderful uh, promise that's also an experienced reality that we have when we follow Jesus, when we participate in, in church. And, uh, you know, it's one of those things when you can put it all together, when you experience happiness and fellowship and love and faith, and they all come together. It's just really, really uh, overwhelming, powerful, wonderful experience that we have uh, in the Lord. So uh, let's just look at this encounter of uh, joy. But let me, before I get to the, the, the build-up of the predictions, let's just look at the close in the, the bookend, the close of the book of Luke, how this uh, gospel finishes. Uh, so the backdrop, of course, for Luke chapter 24, the ascension of Jesus uh, in verse 50, is that Jesus has been crucified. Uh, Jesus has uh, risen from the dead, uh, Easter, and uh, Jesus has revealed himself to many, many, many people and to his disciples. And now the disciples are experiencing this sort of mixture uh, of joy, but not fully understanding everything. So this joy that they are experiencing is, okay, we saw what Jesus has done. We have now experienced his resurrection. Uh, and uh, a lot of what Jesus has said has now come to pass, but there's also this weird, like, okay, but we don't really understand it fully. There's like more, and we have a whole lot of questions, but they're still going to experience joy. This is how it goes. Then Jesus led them to Bethany, and lifting his hands to heaven, he blessed them. While he was blessing them, he, lift, he, he left them and was taken up to heaven. So they worshipped him. And they returned to Jerusalem filled with great joy. And they spent all of their time in the temple praising the Lord. Now, I can guarantee you this. They didn't have all their questions answered. They did experience great joy. And there was a sense that they needed to walk and live by faith because good things are going to happen, even if it's not exactly the way they anticipate them happening or because they have a lot of questions. I'm sure they had a lot of questions. Let's just look at uh, some of the prophecies, the predictions about Jesus' birth that came to pass really in just a spectacular, spectacular, supernatural, unlikely way. The first uh, prophecy that I want to look at is in the book of Malachi, written 500 years, 445 to be exact, before Jesus was born. Now this just like amazing prophecy is made. This is Jewish scripture, Malachi 3.1. Look, I am sending my messenger, and he will prepare the way before me. Then the Lord you are seeking will suddenly come to his temple. The messenger of the covenant, whom you look for so eagerly, is surely coming, says the Lord of heaven's armies. I'm going to send a messenger. He'll prepare the way before me. And uh, obviously it's John the Baptist that he's referring to. And as we know, and if we know the story of John the Baptist, that's exactly what his mission was, was to prepare the way for the Lord and to fulfill that exact pro uh, prophecy. The other mystery, this is so cryptic. I mean, this is like a great investigation story, uh, is where Jesus was going to be born. I mean, you could not, as an Old Testament or as a Jewish follower, 
if you were like studying the scripture, this would still be mystical. I mean, there's no way you could have figured out exactly where Jesus was going to be born, where he's going to grow up, because the scriptures were saying three things. It's saying, you know, he's going to be born in Bethlehem, but he's going to come out of Egypt. Like, okay, how did he get born in Bethlehem? Come out of Egypt, but he's actually going to be a Nazarene, which is from you know, another part of the country, Galilee. And you're like, how does Jesus like do all that? And he does. Uh, and so let's look at some of those scriptures. It's just, you know, uh, it's just so fascinating. It's what an anticipation. So in Micah uh, chapter 5, 2, a very well-known uh, verse, and this is 700 years before Jesus was born. But you, O Bethlehem, Ephrathah, are only a small village among all the people of Judah, yet a ruler of Israel whose origins are in the distant past, will come from you on my behalf. You know, what a beautiful writing, uh, just the way it's written. You know, I mean, think of the prophets trying to explain this and like getting a sense from God, like what are they going to say? And, you know, yeah, somebody from the, you know, whose origins are in the distant past. Yeah, the origins are from God. <laughs> it's very distant past, you know, the creator. It's just awesome. And so, of course, Jesus was born in uh, Bethlehem, fulfilling that exact prophecy. But then uh, Hosea, chapter 11, one also about you know, 700 years before this happens, it says this, When Israel was a child, I loved him, and I called my son out of Egypt. Now again, uh, the, the clear natural connection to that would be the Jewish people uh, being called by God out of Egypt, and God calling them his people. But there's also, you know, the, the point being made in the scripture that this is my son. And we're like, yes, the son of God. And he's coming out of Egypt. And he said, well, how did he come out of Egypt? Well, when the Jesus was born, there was persecution and they killed all the kids. And, and so Jesus' parents fled, fled to Egypt to escape the persecution. And they're hiding away in Egypt. And uh, then God speaks to them. So let me read Matthew 2, 19 through 20. It says this, When Herod died, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt. They're sitting in Egypt. He says, Get up, the angel said. Take the child and his mother back to the land of Israel, because those who are trying to kill the child are dead. Herod has been killed. He's dead. So they leave Egypt. So Jesus, not only is he born in Bethlehem, he comes out of Egypt uh, to return. And then reading the rest of Matthew, it says this. So Joseph got up and returned to the land of Israel with Jesus and his mother. But when he returned, when he learned that the new ruler of Judea was Herod's son, Archelaus, he was afraid to go there. Then, after being warned in a dream, he left the region of Galilee, left for the region of Galilee. So the family went and lived in a town called Nazareth. Thus fulfilled what the prophets had said. He will be called a Nazarene. You know, so just in this amazing way, these future predictions come to pass in Jesus' birth. Of course, the very thing that Jesus could not control. He can't control where he's going to get born. But God has a plan. And I've, as I said so often, God is large and in charge. He controls the destinies of nations. He controls the destinies of people's birth. And God is controlling what's happening today in our world. And he's controlling the spirit of God and his involvement in your life, in my life today, this Christmas. We can experience some of this wonder 
of God. It's a remarkable, remarkable, remarkable story. You know, Jesus came with a very intended purpose. He came to be the Son of God. He came to live a life as a human so that we could relate to who He was. And it was a life that had an intended end, which is why we bookend these two great celebrations in Christian tradition, Christmas and Easter. Because Easter is the purpose of Jesus being born as a baby. He came for the singular purpose to die on a cross, Good Friday. And that is Good Friday because the purpose of Jesus' birth was that we can have relationship with the Father. That Jesus is going to make a way for us to be accepted by the Father. And as mysterious as that is for us, uh, you know, we would not think of this as an idea. For us, this would be total foolishness that somebody should have to die on a cross. And, you know, we sit and we wonder, what does that do? Why does that make us right with God? And yet from Jesus' standpoint, he's saying, I am going to come into this world. I'm going to be born as a baby. I'm going to represent God. I'm going to be fully God. I'm going to be fully human. People will be able to see who I am. They're going to relate to who I am. They can understand the way I live. They can emulate the way I live my life. And Jesus does all of this with the intention and from God's standpoint of saying this is a loving act that I'm going to die on the cross so that you too can have relationship with the living God. And that is mysterious. And yet that was the reason for Jesus' birth. And then on Easter, we obviously celebrate that Jesus overcomes death, overcomes the persecution, and he's resurrected from the dead. And that should give us tremendous hope and faith and joy, because that's going to be pertinent to your life and to my life. We're all going to die. And we all can have faith that God is actually going to do something after death. And so, you know, this story starts winding together, the story of Jesus. And we say, wait a bit, uh, you know, it might be the birth of Christ. This season building up to, uh, to Christmas is also an anticipation of the second coming of Christ, when Jesus is going to return. It's not only about the first coming of Christ, when Jesus came the first time. There's a sense of expectation that the prophecies, the promises, the things that Jesus has said are going to come true. And Jesus is like proving to us, he said, I've already died on the cross. I told you that was going to happen. I've already been resurrect resurrected. I told you that was going to happen. And I'm telling you that I'm going to come again. And when I come again, I'm going to sort out this mess in this world. And it's going to be awesome. And so for those of us who believe, we look forward to this with great anticipation. That's the hope of, of, of Christmas. It's also the reason why we can expect experience this tremendous joy despite difficulties in our lives because we're saying there's more to this life than this present hardship or you know if you're not having a hardship if this is a totally awesome time in your life then there's an added joy because we can enjoy the presence of God the celebration of God the victories of God I mean it doesn't matter what season you're in in life the joy of Jesus is always pertinent it's always the right season to experience the joy of the Lord. You know, when Jesus ascended to heaven, the disciples must have had like hundreds of questions. But the right response was exactly what they did. They said, let's go and just rejoice. Let's go and have a party. Let's go to the temple. Let's go and worship Jesus. Likewise, when, you know, 
Jesus born. I mean, you've got shepherds and angels, and the, the theme of all of that is a celebration, a joy. Is it a mystery? You bet it's a mystery. Have they got it all figured out? No, they don't have it all figured out. And in a similar way, this is the life that we live, a life of faith. We do not have it all figured out. We know a lot. Uh, the Bible is hugely helpful. But we are living in a time where it's saying, God, there's more. And, and it's mysterious. And there's an anticipation. And we can experience this joy. It truly is a delightful time uh, to be living. Because we always have God with us, no matter what struggles we're going through. You know, I want to conclude this way. Take a quick dipstick of where you are with your faith. Or let me say, where's your joy level? Uh, where are you at at this particular Christmas season? Uh, for some of you, you would say, you know, I'm, this is just a good season in my life. And for you, I'd say, great, add Jesus to that. I mean, enjoy the joy of the Lord with you. In, in, don't exclude Jesus from your celebrations. Include Jesus. For others of you, you'd say, man, this is a difficult time. And, you know, for many that suffer with alcoholism or broken families, this is just like a brutal time. And for you, I'd say, lean on the Lord. You know, just like draw your strength from the Lord. Get your joy from the Lord and not from the bottle or not from the past hurts. I mean, you know, folks really need extra, like, intentionality to expect and experience the joy of the Lord during the season. But for some of you, you might be like I was when I was growing up, just like clueless or faithless. You know, it's like I, I didn't understand anything about church. It was just irrelevant to me until I experienced God firsthand. And man, it was a complete life changer. And for you, that might be your experience right now, today. You're saying, you know, I, I don't know. I, I'm sort of interested, but I, I, don't, I don't have it all figured out. Let me say it this way. You'll have it figured out much better if you've got the Lord living within you than if you try and figure it out at a distance. You, you can't figure God out. You need the Spirit of God to reveal who God is to you. So I would encourage you today uh, to ask the Spirit of God into your life. Say, God, I, I don't know you. I, I want to know you. I invite you into my heart. I'm asking you to figure out who you are to me. Reveal yourself to me. I mean, I love the Scriptures. There's, you know, accounts here where people are saying, God, I don't have a lot of faith. But God, can you help me with my lack of faith? And God says, great, that, that's, the right, that's the right answer. You know, so what we need to be is real with God and say, look, we need God. And if we haven't experienced God, say, I want to experience you. And if you have experienced God and you've gone a little bit flat, acknowledge that and say, God, I've kind of walked away from you. I want to experience your joy again. But today's the day. Now's the time. And as we, uh, you know, I'm not going to ask anybody to come forward. I'm not going to embarrass anybody. I'll ask you to put your hand up or, or whatever. Although, honestly, sometimes that's really helpful to do. But what I am saying is as we start worshiping now, and we can have the worship team come on up, ask God into your life. Say, Jesus, I want to know that you're real. Or if you've walked away from God, say, God, I want to walk back towards you. And let the Spirit of God fill you up again. Let God infuse you with the joy that only God can give you. And after the service, if you're struggling, I'll give you an opportunity where a few of us will gladly pray for you in, for whatever is going on in your life. But why don't we stand and let's just uh, join what the disciples did, join what the shepherds did, join those that were there at the birth, and let's just celebrate and focus on Jesus and worship the Lord